What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Cover Band Central official podcast, number 207 for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. I'm Steve Witchell in New Orleans. Hey, I'm Tony B in New Jersey. What's happening? Yes, we were having some audio difficulties. And right off the bat, I want to apologize to people if they listened to the audio podcast from last week. We had some issues with it. With uh, We were out of sync. Our voices were out of sync. So hopefully that's not going to happen this week. I'll try to make sure I do it right. Um, but if you're coming in live, we're broadcasting live on the Facebook Cover Band Central page, in the Facebook Cover Band Central group, and on the YouTube Cover Band Central channel. If you're watching us live right now, come on in and say hello. It's uh, 7.21 p.m. Central Time, my time. And they could be listening live too, Steve. They could be. No, they can't. The audio podcast goes up like the next day. So. Shh, don't, don't. Yes. You know, full disclosure, man. No transparency. Just um, but if you're watching, yeah, come on in and say hi and tell us where you're from. And we will say Go hello the back. Um, you can also support the band or support the band. Support yeah. the podcast and the band. Get the band back together. Uh, by sending stars during this broadcast or watching the replay. Um, not, we're not getting a lot of reach for live. Maybe we should just go to recording this stars is good, Steve. And maybe recording pre-recording, it could, might be the answer. It might be. Although somebody did come in just now and say, Hey, Steve, Facebook user. I don't know who you are, but Hey, and here they are. I'm sure it's somebody I know more than likely, you know, a lot of people, Steve. I do. You know, I have like, I, I went through this recently, um, in the, in the group, there's like, like 600 or 700 of people I'm friends with on Facebook are in the cover band central group. Hmm. Like, and that's mostly, it's gotta be mostly musicians. And I'm like, do I really know that many musicians that I've like played with or interacted with or just probably know me. And so I started going through that list, just kind of scrolling through it to see who's in there. And like all these names are coming up those that don't really ever participate. Um, and I was surprised. I'm like, oh, okay, that person is is in the group. So there, a lot of people I think in the group are just reading, and you know, not participating. Hey, you know, twenty people a year you make friends with, thirty five years of playing, seventy seven hundred people. Forty years, buddy. Then you should have eight hundred people. Give it a step it up. I need to fix this. All right. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> better start making some new some more friends man better be more social yeah but that's pretty cool i mean and to think that i've played with you know hundreds of, of different musicians is yeah that's pretty cool um it's shannon hi shannon she said it's shannon doll hello shannon shannon she's a lovely girl um so uh, yeah it's going to be echoey too because of this room i think does it sound echoey on your end no it sounds good it sounds echoey to me, but maybe because I'm sitting in this room. No, 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 no. Echo, echo, echo. It's good, good. Hopefully, this sounds good. You know, I I love playing music. I'm a pretty good bass player. Um, I love doing technical stuff. I'm pretty good at like Photoshop and stuff. But when it comes to doing this audio podcast stuff, I have no clue what I'm doing. Learn as you go, Steve. You know, we're only 207 episodes in. Other people have thousands of episodes, you know. I mean, it takes a while to figure this stuff out, you know? Like by 207, I should have this down. But I was a guest uh, on a podcast last week, Mm -hmm. uh, last Thursday. It was released on Friday. And uh, 
check it out. This guy's podcast is great. It's called uh, Don't Quit Your Day Job. You'll find it on any of your favorite podcast networks. And um, I was a guest on it, and then I listened back to it, and, like, he sounds so good. You know, he's got the radio voice, and he's got the total perfect radio sound. And then I hear my, my part of it, and it's like, ah, oh, it sounds like shit. Well, hey, Steve, if you talk like you're on the radio, then maybe it'll sound better. He was, you know, he was talking we like can talk, we can talk like this, like, hey, podcasters. Yeah, I mean, he's he just has a naturally good radio voice, but he was up on the mic like this. He's talking like this on the. What mic. if I talk like this, Steve? Is that good? Hey, guys, welcome <laughs> to Cover Band Central. Would no. that be a good podcast voice or no? No, but your voice always sounds good. But he was like right up on the mic like this, like talking like this on the. I have observed you know, that in a lot of podcasts, they are right up on the mic. Right, you know, and I, I, I don't know if that's my mic because it'll be too loud. Yeah, I don't know if it sounds does it sound better like here or if I'm totally. It sounds it, it definitely less echoey and and more tonally rich because you're right on top of the mic. Right, I just have to have it set where I can look at the screen still yeah, and not have to look down like that. Yeah, but like, <laughs> how's this, Steve? Would this be a good podcast? Like, does this sound good now? Has this just a good look? It it does sound. Yeah, I see what it's. it's it, yeah, it sounds. The closer you get up on the mic, the better it sounds, Steve. You don't have to yeah. talk as loud, you know. But people don't want to see me looking at like this is a kind of stupid looking. Right. You know? See, if we were just doing for audio, then yeah, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, you could pick the mic up too, and just it would be you know blocking. Because I noticed that too that sometimes they have the mic like higher up, but more like almost central, but not quite. I don't know. I guess it depends on the mic too. Yeah, I'm using, there's, there's I'm a good mic. A 58, you know, you have a good mic, so it's a Blue Yeti. I got the Shure in the other room, so we'll we'll have to figure that out. But uh, yeah, Shannon said, uh, Shannon said it was great to share the stage. I used to play with her, and she said I were you were a badass bass player. No, he still is a badass bass player, Shannon. No, I was, and I no, am no longer. <laughs> well, that's very self. That's very self. I've gone. I've gone down. No, I'm don't, just kidding. Don't, don't. No. No negative self talk. I know. I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. I, hopefully, when I listen back to this, this, this sounds better, and then we can proceed forward. Um, Best you've ever been, Steve. Because I was, I was, dude. I was bugging about this all day. Like I'm just like, ah, uh, like because I was just so depressed when. The, the person you know sent me a message saying oh it start the voices started overlapping i'm like ah sometimes you'll have that you know i mean just gotta roll with it i know i know try to figure it out and be better next time i know that's what we're doing that's a lesson for you kids right lesson for Don't me too. Get you down lesson for you um, too steve but it, is, but it is an interesting topic to talk about mic technique too and and that's something that if you're singing um you know, live situation or in studio or whatever. Um, that's something important to learn is mic techniques. So the closer yeah. you're on the mic, the less you project. When you project, you know, big, bigly, you want the mic back. And when you see, uh, you know, professional singers, that's what they do. They, you know, they, they'll, they'll use the mic to really regulate their sound. Yeah. Back um, in the day, I used to use a headset mic and a good right. one too. You know, it was like an AKG. But same thing. There's no way you have no dynamic range to pull off the mic, you know, it's and you have to, you know, you have to be very conscious that you're not over projecting and distorting, you know, or that you're not singing too softly. Like if it's a soft part, you want to get up on the mic when you have a headset mic, you can't do that, you know, right? 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I figured I I know you did use a headset mic. It was very convenient, you know. It was just right, you know. It was on your head. It was your hands free, and but then once I switched to a you know a regular corded mic on a stand, I noticed a big difference. Right. Um. Yeah, yeah, and that's something you learn over time. And uh, I was fortunate that I worked with in in Jersey this guy Matt, and he was really good at it, and he would, you know coach me on it um on my technique and ever since then i've been much better at it yeah it's a big thing where you know you want to be up on the mic and if you notice that you know a lot of pros do sing right up on top of the mic and they only pull off it when they're really belting something out you know but for 85 percent of the time they're very close on the mic yeah and i mean i've gotten like i sing quite a bit um and uh so i do um Lagrange by ZZ Top, uh-huh. hmm. and so I get you know I get I have a pretty good you know low range, so I get um, right up on the mic and and do the nice Bailey Gibbons you know got a lot of nice girls uh. yeah um, cool and then sometimes I belt and I'll stand way back you know like um, I love it you know who does a lot of that is that uh, Matt Bellamy from Muse. You notice he turns his head and pulls back, but it doesn't really, it's just enough. Like his mic is either really hot or he's got a really good sound guy that's riding the mic because, you know, no matter where he is, you can hear him. It doesn't, it doesn't drop in volume or fade away. It just doesn't distort. Right. And you could use compression and stuff like that. To sure. A whole science to it. I'm trying to find, because if people post in the group, mm-hmm. then I don't see, uh, their names all right so this is all shannon um uh, she said something about me being on bourbon street and on there shannon every week um shannon said it's been a while since she's seen me on bourbon um i'm there every week at bourbon manstand friday saturday and sunday from 2 to 6 15 so if you want to pop in shannon come on in and say hello bourbon um, bandstand yeah so nice. uh so I was thinking of a, a topic today, even though I was bugging all day about this. Um, and uh, anybody who did listen or watch last week knows that uh, we talked about my base got stolen. Yes. A couple weeks ago. So I got myself two new bases. Two new bases? I bought two new bases. And Dos brought them out this weekend. Just off the rack, didn't do anything to him. Um, just brought him right to the gig. What and did you end up buying, Steve? What, 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 what kind of purchases did you make? I bought an Ibanez, a cheap Ibanez. It's, and I'm thinking of it as sort of a beater base, you know, that I can, you know, whatever. Okay. In, inexpensive, but a five string. And I got a Spectre, a pretty nice Spectre. Not top of the line Spectre, but, but still pretty nice. I love Spectres. Um, also a five string I got on that. And uh, so the topic I picked, and I, I know I didn't send it to you, but was, um, does getting new gear make you play better? Um, <laughs> and Ha-ha. there's the very, old joke. Very interesting question. Yeah. And there's that old joke that, yeah, if, if I buy a new guitar, I'll be a better guitar player. Um, but is it a joke? Is there any truth to it? Um, so I wanted to kind of explore that this week, since that's what I really experienced in my own professional career. 
I will opine on that topic by saying it's, it's the Indian, not the arrow. It's the old saying, right? So that mm -hmm. if you're a proficient musician, you can sound good on anything. But will you sound better and sound better, meaning not that you're going to play better? And I can't speak for a strong instrument like a bass or a guitar because I know the action has a lot to do with it and, you know, the, the feel of it and the thickness of the headstock and, you mm -hmm. know, the frets and all that stuff is, you know, I guess akin to, you know, playing drums on a, a drum set that has very tightly, uh, you know, tensioned heads versus more loosely tensioned heads, different stick rebound, different action on the snare. Um, but I will say that when you play, at least for me, if I play on a really poor sounding drum set, like if it's not my set, for if somebody asked me to sit in, I mean, most of the, my friends have great sounding kits, but you know, if you do an open mic night or something where there's a house kit there and it's just kind of beat on, like, you know, if you go to like a rehearsal studio sure. and everything's sure. killed and there's tape on everything and it's just like, book, 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 you won't necessarily play any worse you know, in my opinion, than you normally would because you, you have a certain level of proficiency and you, you know, you know how to play an instrument. So you're always going to play correctly. But I think mentally, when you play an instrument that sounds good, it inspires you to not think about, it, it frees your mind to concentrate on creating rather than being distracted by the nonsense of, of anything that's not, not comfortable or doesn't sound good. That makes sense. Yes. Um, you know, cause when you do play something like I know if I play with in-ears and I put my kit through it and it sounds amazing, like I play very relaxed and I have a great time, you know, mm -hmm. when, when you don't have a good monitor mix and you can't hear yourself and you know, you play differently in that regard. So I don't know if it makes you play better. I think it makes you play more creatively and more relaxed and, and it gets you in a better headspace to play. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it improves your playing by playing on a better, you know, if you play a, a $500 drum set or a $20,000 drum set, the $20,000 drums is going to sound a lot better, right? It's going to, you're going to feel a lot better playing it. You're going to have more fun than the $500 drum set, but it's not going to necessarily make you a better drummer because right. you're playing more expensive gear. It's not going to give you, years of more experience and practice because you're playing on a more expensive, you know, piece of equipment. Right. But, I, but, but I will tell you that, you know, it's also trickery of the ear because I have many kits, you know, and let's say if I go through five different drum sets and I'll play, you know, my Mapex set, which is like a student set and it's a bass wood, you know, inexpensive entry level kit, you know, but you put good heads on it. You tune it properly. It sounds really good. But then I go over to like the Gretsch behind me and it sounds different, but like darker and just different tonalities to it. Then I play on the Yamaha recording custom and it's just wide open and it's loud and it's so responsive. So, I mean, you know, the more expensive, you know, at least for a drum set, you definitely do notice a difference tonally when mm -hmm. you play it, you know, yeah. more the same, you're going to notice, you know, a difference from beginner entry level, you know, but then look back at like Rush, you know, Neil played a student, like his main snare drum was like a bottom of the line, cheap student level Slingerland mm -hmm. that just sounded great. Sometimes you get, you know, a magical instrument. Sometimes you get a bass drum or a snare drum or a tom or a cymbal that just 
sounds so beautiful and it just sounds great. And then, you know, you play the same exact drum set, the same exact size, the same exact everything. And it's not the same, you know, right. because it's, right. it's, it's, it's a creation. All right. So uh, um, this is Ray. He said, as a horn player, I think that once you get to a professional level instrument, they're all pretty much the same. So a new mm -hmm. horn doesn't help. So, I mean, I understand what you're saying, you know, playing different kits and playing or playing other people's equipment and all that. So, but my, my thinking is about when you get yourself something brand new, that's yours. Does that make a difference in your approach to playing and, and does it improve something about your playing? And I'm going to say that it does. I would agree with you for me. And at least in my experience, and, and I'll, I'll kind of go through my weekend here, what I did and, and how it sort of evolved. Um, but I, I think just, there's just that excitement with, I got a new piece of gear. It's a new yeah. toy. It's a shiny new toy that is mine. Now, when I get to, you know, nobody had it before I bought it new and now I get to, put me into this thing, um, this inanimate object. Um, and so my experience was this, I bought the Ibanez first and because I went to a, a local guitarist, uh, you know, music shop. Um, and I figured like I, I had ordered the specter and I wasn't sure that it was going to be here by on time by Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, all right, I got to get something else. So I went to the, to the music store. I bought the, uh, the, uh, Ibanez and used that first. And the, then the, the specter actually came on Friday and it was like outside my door when I was leaving for my gig and I was expecting it Saturday and at which I was really happy about that. I saw it because I didn't want it sitting outside all day where yeah, something yeah. would be like, you know, another base stolen <laughs> before I even get it. Um, so I brought it inside and then, so I, I, with the, uh, Ibanez, I practiced with it a little bit, you know, put it, got it in tune, played a few songs with it at home. And then and that was it. I just put it in a gig bag, brought it to work. And, um, and I also, uh, had a new setup, uh, rig wise, cause I'd been using just a 210 cabinet and, um, with the other bass. And the other bass was active and it was, you know, a hot signal. And that's really all I needed for that stage. But I also kind of wanted a little more oomph on stage. So I had a 410 cabinet. I had to replace the speaker. So I got a new speaker for that. And then, so I had 610. I had the 410 and 210 on the weekend and then brought in the Ibanez. And it felt good. You know, it, it was it was very smooth. The, the action is really good on it. But it didn't sound right. And I was trying, I was trying to dial in and kind of all day. And Jason later said to me, um, he's like, he said, that's the first time I've ever seen you uncomfortable with, with a bass. Hmm. So did it, did that affect my playing? Absolutely. It did. Cause I was trying to find my way around this thing and trying to get the right tone. And it just, you know, that gets in your head and, and you're not, although most of the stuff I play, I can do just on autopilot. It's still it just felt icky. It didn't feel right. Um, so then Saturday, rather than bringing in the specter, cause, Oh, the other thing about the Ibanez was, um, we two and a half step down, uh, for everything. So, uh, when I did that, the first fret was, wasn't sounding, you know, it was, it was, the action was too low. 
So mm-hmm. you're just getting <laughs> on, on all the notes on the first fret, which makes it a challenge to play too. That was the other part of it. Because now all of a sudden you don't have that low F on the E string. You don't have the, the B flat on the A string, that, which is a normal go-to. So now certain songs I had to f- figure out a new fingering for, mm-hmm. which isn't hard. I mean, I, you know, I, I could do that pretty quickly on the fly. Um, but still, it's now, oh, okay, now I have to think a little bit, whereas normally I don't. So to avoid that first fret. <laughs> um, so there was that. So then um, Saturday, rather than just bring in the Spectre, because I didn't want a repeat of that thing, I brought in my Fender four string, which is right there. Yeah. There. Tried and true. Tried and true. Yes. Uh, die hard, tried and true. I've had that thing for a long time. And it's only, I usually don't bring it in because it's a four string and it's also passive pickup. But now that I have the 610 set up, you know, mm. the passive pickup is okay. And four string, not that big a deal. There's some drop D stuff, but, you know, just drop D. Um, and boy, did that feel good. That bass just felt fantastic. And I was playing all smiles all day. Um, and it just sounded fantastic to me. I'm like, oh, it, it felt like an old shoe, you know? <laughs> sure. And then, so Sunday I brought in the Spectres. So I played three gigs in three days with three different bases. And the, um, I, and I didn't, re- I was going to mess with it, but it needs to be really properly set up and I didn't have the time to do that. So I was like, screw it. It's Sunday. Sunday's generally a slower day. Anyway, we're going to mm-hmm. be watching football. And I brought in the uh, the five string, and I I love Spectres. This is my third one owning, and um, it just sounded like a Spectre. It felt like a Spectre. It felt great. It sounded great. Of the three days, that was the best one, and I was just so excited about how it sounded and how it felt. And I felt like that really did contribute to how well I played, at least yeah. that day. You know. Absolutely. I, I would agree 100% with you because, like we said, you're not distracted by any nonsense, right? You just can focus on playing and it feels good and it's brand new and you're excited about it. And, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. It's brand new and there was nothing wrong with it. There was no buzzing. It was all, you know, the action's really nice and the tone is great. It was nice and full and clear. And I was getting just clear notes all over the neck. Um, so that was that that definitely made a difference in my playing for sure. so now in that context will you be returning the ibanez or will you just adjust the action and get it so that 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 bottom fret will work i'm going to get it set up properly yeah whether i do it myself or somebody else does it mm-hmm. um and i'm going to keep it yeah cool yeah because it's mine now i bought it yep. i'm going to return it and I do like it, you know, it's, it's, it's super light. That was the other thing that, about it. That's great. Yeah. You had said that save um, your back for three days. Save my back. And the specter too, it's a longer scale. It's a little, it's a little further for me to reach out to hit that first fret. And, uh, that affects my back too. So, and even though that base is light, just having to reach out further like that kind of bends my back a, a different way. And it was it was definitely affecting my back on Saturday, Sunday, so I might just use the fender for now. I don't know. We'll we'll see. <laughs> Tried and true. It's nice to have options, but yeah, I, I I think 
I don't know. I think everybody gets excited about new gear and, and it opens up something in them. You know? 100%. I agree with you thousand percent on that. Yeah. Um, anybody else wants to chime in about it, please let us know. I guess that's the point I was making is it won't make you any more proficient than you normally would be. Like it's not going to make you play like you've been practicing for a year more than you have, but it's going to make you play better from a perspective of, like you said, you're relaxed, you can create, you're not thinking about it. You know, maybe the action is more buttery on, on one of those bases. Right. And your fingers mm. do move a little bit faster, right. Then they're less cumbersome, you know, yes. much like, you know, for me, like using a heavier stick versus a lighter stick, you know, it's a different right. feel and it has a different, you know, there's so many variables to, to, to individual things like pedals, you know, you can adjust a bass drum pedal. Nowadays there's a hundred different adjustments on it, you know, almost too many, mm. you know, and depending on what you're playing a lot of is going to be really how you're going to adjust it. You know, you're playing a lot of fast metal where you got to do a lot of fast double bass drum. You know, you're going to adjust the spring differently and your foot's going to be on a different position on the footboard than it would be if you're playing, you know, a regular rock gig and certain okay. pedals have different action on them, you know, accelerated cam where as you step on it, the beater speeds up before it hits the head, you know, you get a little more power out of it, you know, an iron Cobra pedal feels different than a Yamaha pedal. It's like, just like you said, with the basses, it's, it's, you know, it's all personal preference and, you know, you have to try stuff out and see what works and what you like. And you're always going to go back to what you're used to because it's comfortable. Right. And if you've played something for years, for 20 years, let's say, you know, you could pick it up and it's going to be like, oh, yeah, it's, it feels homey, you know? Yeah. Something was exciting, but sometimes you got to get used to it. It might bring out something in you, too, that's been dormant for a while. Since, mm -hmm. like, you and I, we've been playing for a long time. And we've gone through a lot of iterations of our playing and a lot of education. And sometimes you you forget certain things uh, until they come. you're in a situation where it comes up for whatever reason. Maybe it's a song. Maybe it's a, a venue. Maybe it's a... a type of gear you're using um but i felt like that with when i was playing the specter it, it just reminded me of when i used to play because i used to play uh, my five string specter exclusively and um i just kind of felt that again and it was it's a it's a little bit of a different feeling in my playing and in my approach and um it's hard to describe but it's but there's something about how i feel about what I'm playing and the choices I make and whatnot that are, are particular to that instrument. And do you find that you play differently on a four string than a five string? Yes. Yes, for sure. For sure. It's like, I'm, I mean, I usually play a five string. So if I go back and play a four string, it just feels like an easier instrument anyway. Um, one fewer string. And, um, you know, you know, starting out, I always played a four string. So, um, yeah, it's a different approach just because of the, the notes, you know, where you're going to be playing those particular notes. Yeah. I um, think it's all relative, like playing a 12 string acoustic versus a, you know, a six string acoustic playing, you know, a 10 piece drum set versus playing a four piece drum set. You know, you're going to think differently because you have less things to hit, less options. So almost yeah. like the coloring book analogy I always use, right? If I give you a, a coloring book and 100 crayons, you can, color, you can color me this beautiful, you know, vibrant picture, which is going to be different than if I give you a coloring book and I give you six crayons. Now mm -hmm. you're going to have to work on shading, 
darker and lighter colors, maybe mixing some colors together, right, to get a different look. And it's going to be a different picture, but it's still going to be colored by Steve. So when right. you see the picture, you're going to say like, oh, man, Steve Witchell colored that picture. Right, one's right, One's right. going to look different because you're going to have 100 colors and one's going to have six, right? But it'll still have your personality in it. It'll still represent, you know, your creative thought process of, of, of how you would approach it. But you may have to think differently about how you're going to color it based on what your options are. Right. I just turned that slide off and it, it made everything look better to me. There More you go. <laughs> I try to turn my lights off. Hang on. Um, Wait, I, I got to turn the off. color light on. I have that yeah. on right now. Um, yeah, good okay, stuff. Um, so uh, Charlie's here from Edmonton, Edmonton, Canada. What's up, Charlie? And Joe, our buddy Joe. He says, I always use the same bass. I'm so comfortable with it. Five string music band. I use an OLP copy of it at rehearsal. I, I tried a music band. I don't, I don't, they sound great, but they just never feel good to me, music band basses. But I mean, they're quality instruments. And, some, and again, it's, it's personal touch, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's what speaks to you. It's what you like. Yeah. Um, I might just do this from this room from now on. <laughs> just like that just, just like this i like it better lights, i mean i just changed my lights from blue to purple and now i got a whole new background yeah i like this better for anybody listening to the audio podcast we do this on a video yeah. to live stream on tuesdays at eight o'clock p.m eastern time but the replay is always available on our youtube channel cover band central uh in the group on Facebook and on the page. The replay is available there on video if you want to come back and watch it and see what we're talking about with the visuals. Um, archives, years of these podcasts are on YouTube. So you can see so the different many. backgrounds. At least 206 episodes. Yes. Um, all right, so that was my topic. I don't know that there's a lot more to, to really talk about with that. No, I think we can just say, you know, I I will bring up one topic just to close the conversation here. Sure. I have observed that as of late, quality musical gear has gotten ridiculously expensive. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, and not just the signature guitars and these signature things, but like everything in general has just gotten so much more expensive, you know? I mean, especially in the drum world, like drums and cymbals, I mean, they're just out of hand, you know, for what they cost. And I understand it's raw materials and things like that, but, you know, um, everything is just so out of reach for, for entry-level players to buy pro gear, you know? Like any type of pro-level double pedal, you're spending up, you know, between seven and $1,200. Wow. You know? And even for a super quality single pedal, you're paying between like two fifty and, and three fifty, you know, for something that's that, that's a pro level. You know, I'm talking like Yamaha or Pearl, you know, Demon Drive or an Iron Cobra, like you know, or DW five thousand or nine thousand. You know, anything that's a quality product is super expensive now. You know, yeah. even like you know, bass drum heads for, for a 22 or a 24 inch bass drum, you know, it's just a larger bass drum, but a 22 is a pretty standard size. You know, you spend 50, 60 bucks per head. So you got to put new heads on a bass drum. It's a hundred to $125. Yeah. I don't envy drummers, man. You guys spend a lot of, even sticks are expensive, right? Yeah. You know, 
they used to be like four or five bucks a pair. Now they're like between like, you know, seven to nine dollars, depending on where you get them from and depending on what you play. Right. I feel like Jason spends like he'll go to the, the, the same store that I went to to get the base and, you know, 60, 70 dollars every time he goes in to buy sticks, yeah. just to buy sticks. Yeah. And he goes through six a lot and he gives them away too to people. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's that, you know, that's, that's a nice thing to do too, but you know, sticks get to a point too, where the, the tip gets chipped and, you know, then it, it gets a little wonky to play it. The stick may not be broken or, you know, like I haven't broken a stick in, in, you know, probably 20 years, but they get worn out, you know? So I'm definitely getting more mileage out of sticks than I ever did, but the tips get beat on, you know, that's the thing. Cause I play a wood tip. And right. when they're not round anymore, you know, you can feel it on the cymbal. You can feel it on the ride. You can't really feel it on the drums or the hi-hat. But, um, you know, it just it changes the sound and, and, and the, the balance becomes a little wonky on it. Yeah. But, you know, but heads too, like you said, you know, to rehead a drum set, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, my drummer, goes through sticks like crazy. He, he breaks them. Um, mm. He's a hard hitter, though. And we, yeah. we, we play. Um, you know, for four and a half hours, three days a week. Sure. <laughs> you definitely go through them, no doubt. Yeah. But that's my last comment is like it, to buy anything quality is, is you know, a lot, of, a lot of money. Yeah. The, I mean, the Spectre I wanted is 3000 bucks and I just didn't, I couldn't spend that money. Yeah. I mean, um, the Alex Lifeson Limelight guitar just came out. Did you see that signature guitar? No. And it's, it starts at $4,000. And it goes up to $18,000. Dang. You know, so even that is a quality instrument. You know, you're going to spend four to $5,000. It's a lot of money. Right. Yeah. Symbols are way expensive. Joseph, uh, Joe said uh, a few years ago, his son was going to audition for Rush Tribute Band. And he yes. was going to buy him a couple symbols until he saw the price. Listen, back in the day, you know, like you say back in the day, but 20 years ago, you know, a quality crash symbol was probably like three or $400, you know, list price. And you can get it, you know, percentage off at the music store. Um, and now list prices for symbols are like eight, $900. That is you crazy, know, dude. Same type of symbol. For one symbol. Yes. Holy yeah. moly. Yep. That's too much. Yeah. And I mean, listen, a lot, you know, it depends. It also depends, like you said, on the quality where, you know, the brand, but they're all pretty much the same. Zildjian, Peisty, Sabian. You know, they're all up there in price range. And, you know, a lot of them are handmade, hand hammered and, you know, machine hammered. So time goes into making them in raw materials and, you know, everything goes up, but everything has just gotten really expensive. Right. You know, once it goes up, it doesn't usually come back down again. Well, at least musicians make a lot of money to make up for it. Oh, yeah. Big time. Thousands a gig. Mm hmm. Yeah. People don't realize. No, but you got to love doing it, you know, but like you said, you play to buy gear. You know, if you have that luxury, you save up a bunch of bread and then you buy something. Right. All right. For our, let's, let's visit the group here. Let's, let's see what's going on. Who's with us tonight, Steve? Who do we got? Well, I mean, the, let's see what's been, what's being talked about in the group. Um, uh, uh, what kind of banter we got. Yeah. I don't know. Let's check it out. Let's see what's happening. Let's see what people are posting. Um, uh, the group is just going crazy with, with uh, you see there, it's 93,100 members. And yeah. I'm talking about the 
uh, Cover Band Central group on Facebook. And uh, it's grown. It was, dude, it was at 68,000 like two months ago. And now it's. Yeah, you'll be over 100,000 by next month. Yeah, there's more than 100 people a day are requesting to join. It's the place to be. People are out standing in line, shivering in the cold, um, just waiting their turn to enter the group and share their stuff. They're sleeping Uh, overnight. Yeah, they're sleeping overnight. They're camping out. Um, But it's it's pretty cool. And I really do love this group and, and what's going on. Our first post here is us there. It's fantastic. Um, uh, should we read some of these uh, posts? How about Basil and Agnostis? I don't know how to say that. What does Basil have to say? Basil. He said, uh, this crosses his mind driving home from the day gig. Heard another song with reference to a guitar, and as almost always, the word old was in front of it. I've noticed that in just about every song I've heard with a guitar mentioned in the lyrics that they're old, beat up, found in a secondhand store, you get the idea. I guess it's not romantic or glamorous <laughs> enough within a song to reference a nice new strat. Well, wow, reference to uh, what we're talking about. Les Paul or something else, and rarely are keys or drums mentioned, and hardly ever bass, although I can think of uh, What do you all think? I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Do you? I don't know, but you know what's funny when you say that? Like, Cole has an old guitar. It's an old Strat, you know? And Right, okay. It's been, whoever played it wore the finish off the fretboard. I love that. Like, it's been played. It's probably seen thousands of gigs. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's just, like you said, I've never seen anything like it. And it sounds great. It sounds great and it plays great. Um, Greg here said, uh, put it up here. Most people, myself included, would benefit much more from practicing and lessons. Yeah. True that. Practice. You have to practice. But consistency in practice, right? Even if it's 15 sure. minutes a day, but you do it every day. In three months, you'll be like on a whole nother level. You just stay with it, you know? Yeah, you have to. You got to get to the plateau. And then years later, it's like, wow. You know, Ian McFadden said, what is your band's best slow song guaranteed to fill the dance floor? You got one? We have many. What's what's one that comes to mind? I know at Christmas time we do the Eagles. I'll be home for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And that always fills the dance floor. And the slow songs is what gets the guys out on the dance floor, you know, more so than uh, because girls always dance. But the the one that can, don't always, you know. True, right? Um, but for a slow song, you know, you generally want couples to to be dancing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one that comes to mind immediately for me lately is Tennessee Whiskey. That is the mm-hmm. best slow song that's guaranteed. If there's couples in the crowd and they're just sitting at the table, when that comes on, when we start playing that, they're going to get up and dance for yep. sure. Tennessee Whiskey. Ah, here you go. Caleb said Tennessee Whiskey, and I got 18 likes. Hayden joked, said Rain and Blood, which is a Slayer song. Everybody's got to be a, com- a freaking comedian on here. Hey, Comedy uh, Central. Purple, yeah, Purple Rain is one I was going to say to Faithfully. I don't play that, but Wonderful Tonight, that's your typical wedding song. 
Tennessee mm-hmm. whiskey again. So yeah. So I got I probably got the number one answer by saying Tennessee whiskey. Home sweet home. Yeah, that's I don't know if that fills yeah. the dance floor. I don't know. All right, but that's a good post from Ian McFadden in the Cover Band Central Facebook group. Good to have variety. Everything can't be fast tempo. Uh, I don't want to read that. Um, I like this. This this is a. I think this is a new member. He's music musician at German musician from Palm Bay, Florida. But just put up some pictures of behind the scenes of his band. And he put up 22, 3, 4, 5, 26 pictures. Cool. Which I like. You know, I like that. And I, I hope that he is using these on his Facebook page, which is what you really need to do, boys and girls, if you want to promote yourself. Behind the scenes pictures are great. It helps too if you make them into a meme, if you make like put some words with it, you know, that gets people's attention. Um, I'll show you an example, Tony. A glimpse into the less glamorous side, Steve. I'll show you an example here of one I just did. Do show. This is my uh, band's Facebook page. This is my band. And I don't promote myself here much, um, like what I'm doing. But if you're interested, Cornerstone on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com slash Cornerstone Nola. But this is the one I just made. (laughs) So it's a picture of three of the guys in the band hanging out outside. They're, they're all in leather jackets, or at least black, leaning against the wall. One guy's smoking a cigarette. They're all uh, sunglasses on, holding drinks. And uh, the caption I put are, are you guys in a band? They might so, be. Yeah. Or they're a bunch of bikers. So that's so. rather than just post this picture and say, oh, here's a picture of, you know, the guys in the band. You know, I made it. I mean, made it something that's a little bit funny, maybe. Nice. Um, this was a promo thing I made for the weekend, too. Um, and the reason I wanted to just show this real quick was because I want to remind people that I wrote an ebook. It's called Get Him to the Show. And I'll put up the thing for it. And it will seriously help you with your marketing efforts. Uh, the yeah, 100%. There's the URL to go to. It's getemtotheshow.com. And, you know, it's great. There's so much packed, so much information packed into this book about how you do things, how you build up your audience, how you get engagement, and you, how you get them to come see you play. Get them excited about your band, to get them to tell other people about your band. Do these things, they work. It's the formula that I've used for what I do, and it's the formula that other bands have used that are successful. So check it out if you're interested in improving your, your situation. Yeah, very important, right? Because you could be the greatest band, but if nobody knows about you, you're not going to get them to the show. Exactly. All right, let's go back to the group. Let's see what else is going on. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know if this is too much to read. Uh, I don't know. This might be interesting. Uh, Robert Scott Bell. We're playing an event this summer in Washington, D.C., for which the band is required to be insured. We've played for several years, but this is our first insured gig. The venue states that we need to provide proof of, number one, combined general umbrella coverage, one million, 
Number two, automobile liability combined, one million. Number three, workers' comp minimum, 500,000. We have six playing members and a sound guy. Does each person have to be insured individually or are there group event policies? Um, I would never be able to answer this question. And that's why I like that somebody did it, asked this question, and there's a bunch of answers here because I have no clue. Um, We've gotten event insurance in the past for, it's like vendor insurance, you know, like if you're playing a wedding venue or like you said, the promoter requests it, but generally mm-hmm. not to that type of extent where they're looking for, you know, that's almost like contractor insurance, you know, a one right. million with umbrella and million dollar policy and workman's comp and automobile liability. And that yeah, seems a little excessive for, it does, and, you know, but you insure, you know, and then it comes down to where you have to insure the entity and everyone has to be, you know, cited as a member of that entity. But Steve, let's read down and see what some other people have to say about it. Uh, let's see. Nicolo said, no, you just buy a policy for the event and it covers the band. I got one this summer for an event. It was like $85 through insurance canopy. Yeah, but I don't think it is that level of insurance that that particular person is looking for with that uh, big of an umbrella, you know? Joshua simply said, sounds like bullshit to me. I dropped that gig. Um, this is a long answer from Dan. <laughs> uh, John said, you know, contact your insurance agent. Yeah. Um, and there's places online you can call to, like you said, to get event insurance, you know? And if you play a lot, they can do it for the year. You can get it for six months. You can get it for a single event, for a single date, you know, with a single entity. Because they have to insure the entity, whatever that is, that's putting on that show, you know? Right. It would be cover band central. And then you'd have additional insured entities be the venue, you know, um, whoever else they cite as the corporation or – you know, other officers or members or people that are involved, the promoter might have to be an additional insured. You know, there's a whole bunch of rigmarole that goes along with it. Right. It looks like a lot of good advice here, though. People talk about insurance canopy coverage. Cool. Bought online. Uh, I love this group, man. I love that people jump in and are eager to help other people. And think of the resource. You know, it's not like you're asking one or two people, you know, you could have a hundred responses. Right. And yeah, sift through them, whichever one makes the most sense. Do your own research. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I was talking about it, you know, recently when I was a guest on the other podcast about the, just the wealth of information that is in here in the archives in this group, you know, it's 10 years, almost 11 years, dude, of worth of, you could pretty much search any keyword and find posts about it and find threads about it going back over the last 11 years. This is, it's like an encyclopedia for cover bands. Well, cause you could even type in insurance and probably have a whole bunch of answers in addition to the ones True. that are just on this thread. And it's a shame. I don't think people really use that all that much or, or maybe people aren't even aware, That's but it's new there, ego, man. Steve, how to navigate yeah, yeah. the group. Uh, let's see. Benefit. Uh, this is pretty good. Let's. I, I've seen this a couple times, but I haven't. I've just kind of skimmed through it. But uh, this meme is going around. 
the oldest musicians still touring, recording, and kicking. And there's a list of probably about 50 here. Uh-huh. Uh, the oldest is uh, Willie Nelson at 90 and John Mayall also at 90. Uh, the youngest they have on here is at 76 years old, which is Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull. Is he, are they still playing Jethro Tull? I think so. Keith Richards has got to be on that list. Um, Keith Richards isn't as old as you would think, though. He's, you know, the joke is about him being so old, but he's not. Let's see. Mick Jagger is 80. All right. right. So, yeah, Keith Richards is 80. He's on the list. Roger he Waters looks, is 80. He looks, they look a lot. Of, he looks a lot older than that. <laughs> well, he's done a lot. of. He looked 80 when he was 50. I know. Well, he's done a lot of uh, partying. Yeah. Who else is on here? It's so interesting because, you know, like 20 years, all these people are going to be gone. Yeah, so go out and see them while you still can, while they're still making music, right? We got else on here. Iggy Pop at 77. I'm surprised he's still alive. Yeah. Sammy Hagar, 76, man. And he yeah. can still sing the way he can sing. Unreal. Clapton, 78. Neil Young. Neil Young's playing at uh, Jazz Fest this year in here in New Orleans. He's 78. Rod Stewart is 79. I We haven't really heard from Rod Stewart in a while. No. So I don't know if he's still... He, uh, I haven't seen any recent picture of him, but he probably looks like he's in his 50s because he always looks young. No, he's... I don't know. Last time I saw him, he looked pretty old. <laughs> he, can only, he can only dress up 77 so much. Right. George Benson, 80, man. George Benson. Steve Miller, 80. Wow. McCartney, 81. We got two Beatles still alive. Where's uh, Ringo? Ringo's 83. Ringo, talk about somebody who looks younger than wow. age. Yeah, no, God bless these guys, man. Like I said, they're still going. Buddy Guy, 87. Buddy Guy, one of the best concerts I've ever seen. And I've seen him three times. Awesome. Buddy Guy, guitar player, blues legend. Um, All right. So that's cool. That's a cool meme that people have been sharing. A lot of responses to that. Taylor Swift should open her shows with Secret Agent Man. I I saw this post and I don't know what that means. I know the song, but I don't get the reference. Hmm. Do you know what that means? I do not. I know the song though. Taylor Swift, the biggest rock, the biggest star in the world. Now she's the biggest NFL star in the world. God bless her. Love it. All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> Good stuff, man. What the takeaway from that is you can still make music no matter how old you are. Only mm-hmm. you're young at heart and you can still play. Yeah, just keep getting new equipment. You'll keep getting better and better. That's right. And practice and take lessons. Do I look like I have a sunburn in here? My face bit. all red. You look a little flush, yeah. Hmm. Need some fluorescence on you, Steve. It feels hot in here. I don't know. You need some lighting. I have lighting. I have a light on. A light, singular. A light, yes. Yeah, I only have one, two. Uh, okay. Uh, who's this? Lon? Wow, I don't know. I don't know how you would say that. Watching from PNG. I don't know what PNG is. Do you know what PNG is? I don't know. We are a worldwide group page everything uh cover band central's all over the world so uh 
you never know where people watch it from. I know there's over 50 countries of people that are engaged with CBC. 888,000 followers now, Tony. On the Yeah, uh, I can hit a million page. this year, Steve. I can feel it. Yeah. All right. Well, we've pretty much exhausted everything, so we can wrap it up here. This doesn't need to be an hour anymore. Well, we unless got lit. You, we unless st- you got something else. No, we started late because of our, you know, technical difficulties. But I we're, just, almost at, we're almost at the hour mark. We're, we're at, you know, 52 minutes, so we're only eight minutes shy. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. People got to get to bed, you know, get some beauty rest, get sleep, get energized for tomorrow. Right. Rest for gigs, you know. Yes. Hump day tomorrow, middle of the week. People got to get excited for that. Yes. I'm hoping that I download this and it sounds great. It's going to sound excellent, Steve. I like it. I like your attitude. All right, everybody. Uh, make sure you check out the brand new website, covervancentral.com. It's revamped. It's got all sorts of cool shit in there. Uh, great articles, memes, and uh, links Almost to all. Almost 100,000 members. Links to all the socials and uh, everything else that is in the world of Cover Band Central. We'll see you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.